Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino and Chris Fuller, helping you and people across the globe live life to the fullest. Our focus is on you so you can be your best and create the life you deserve. Visit us at besteveryou.com. Hey, the audio worked. Hi, everybody. I'm Elizabeth Hamilton Garino here in Maine, and with me is author Eitan Walls. Uh, Eitan, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got the chat room going for everybody who's listening, and if you've got a question, give us a call at 646-787-8537, or just type it into the chat, or you can tweet me at Best Ever You, and we'll take your calls there. But we're going to be chatting with Eitan about his book, the mega factory of healthcare. Um, I would, I would just love to know um, about all. You've got a heck of a background here in the healthcare industry. Maybe we should start there and have you tell us all about it and you and how you got to be writing a book on the topic. Sure. So uh, um, I'm going to begin by saying I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV, and I did not <laughs> stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Um, <laughs> so I'm not a provider of care. Um, I've always helped support those who do provide care um, throughout my career. Um, first, uh, um, in uh, um, data security roles, IT security roles in the financial mm-hmm. world, uh, and then uh, I moved into healthcare working in an EMR startup for four and a half years. I was lucky enough to work with some of the you know, best pediatricians around in my next job, um, and um, as uh, I helped roll out their EMR program, which is electronic medical records, I moved into general operations, became the chief operating officer of the company, uh, and then spun off that into a management company uh, um, uh, several years ago. I left over mm-hmm. the summer last year mm-hmm. and decided to write a book because I felt like a lot of people – uh, really didn't know what was going on in healthcare and how we got into that position. And um, it was the middle of a presidential race. I don't know if you heard about that. And <laughs> yeah. we were talking about healthcare more and more. And I felt like uh, I was a little bit of a different voice and I wanted to help educate at least the people around me on healthcare and, and uh, um, how I would fix it if it was up to me. And so one of the things that's written here in front of me is that your vision is to redesign healthcare in a way that not only protects patients, but also empowers physicians and other physicians and other healthcare workers. That's a tall order, huh? Yeah, look, I mean, it's not easy to, to fix healthcare. There's a lot of facets to it. But I think that when you're trying to fix anything, you need to learn about how it got there. You know, when we're when you're a mechanic, you learn how the car runs and how the internal combustion engine works, and or how the electronic electric engine works. And so, you know, I want I wanted to give a baseline of understanding of how we got there, following the money first, and then um, um, and then taking it from there. Most books in the space are written for people with a um, 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 with a, a interest, right, in or sure. have a background in healthcare, and uh, um, I wanted to take take a different angle. 
Yeah. And and so we have this this book, The Mega Factory of Healthcare. And so you it tell tell us about the book. What's the what's the book about? It's um it's about the 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 terminology, right? The the parts uh and the pieces for uh what utilized in the healthcare system. We start with following the money, really. And and how uh, physicians get paid, and how we got to where we are with physician payment and um, and uh, reimbursement rates, and and I kind of go through the the story of of how healthcare has evolved over the last almost hundred years, uh, and um, really um, what has taken us up to now, which is the explosion of healthcare. So what, uh, the common thread throughout all of it is is how government has has uh, hindered and shaped healthcare in good and bad ways uh, over that time period. So, in your opinion, what is broken, and how, and what are some of the steps that we can take to to fix things? You know, from my perspective, if we if we kind of take it from a thirty thousand foot view, healthcare is broken. It's not broken. It's got cracks, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I think that wholesale change is going to affect other parts of the economy and other parts of our day-to-day lives, right? Um, if if we go to a, let's say, for instance, Medicare for All, which is buzzwords. It's been a buzzword for the last couple of years that we should go to Medicare for All and that will save so much money in it. You know, I talk about this in the book where Medicare for all really will negatively affect us in in many ways we didn't even think about. In the last downturn, we spent as a country a lot of money to incentivize physicians to go in and, and get electronic medical record systems. Well, that money that was spent built an, built an industry around healthcare IT, Around uh, around mergers of of larger entities and created jobs that would be gone if we went to a single payer system. And so, you know, in my estimation, and so you know, the downstream effect of of getting rid of the other uh, um, uh, insurance payers to go to a single payer system would be like General Motors only producing one car, mm-hmm. you know, right? All their suppliers would be affected, and it would be tens of hundreds of thousands of jobs, maybe even millions of jobs that could be affected by changing that system. So to someone who's listening, let's let's put this in like in terms of the family with, uh, you know, families listening or people in people terms. How does this affect yeah. people? Um, how does this affect our, you know, our everyday family or husband and wife or elderly couple or children or um, whatever? Because I know a lot of people listening might not understand what you mean by a single payer system versus um, yeah, the yeah. alternative. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, a payer is an insurance company. Um, and so the call for Medicare for all would move away from the United Healthcare's of the world from the Blue Cross Blue Shields of the world, from the Aetna's of the world, 
which are given by your uh, employer to one almost socialized type medicine, like in Canada or other countries. Mm -hmm. Um, And so how has this change in healthcare affected everyone? Where we're getting our healthcare is starting to be provided by larger and larger organizations throughout the country. There's a lot of mergers that have gone on. Independent physicians are still opening practices and still running practices all throughout the country. But more and more are uh, being employed by a larger entity. And what does that, in essence, mean? It means uh, a higher reimbursement rate. That's the fee that they get paid. It has to do with contract. uh, And I go through this in the book at at Mm -hmm. length and explain that whole process on how reimbursement rates and contracts work. But at the end of the day, a larger organization could mean more money out of the pockets of the people who are going to see that doctor. A hospital is, or a doctor that works for a hospital is going to be the highest reimbursement rate. Uh, a mid-sized group uh, of physicians that have come together uh, in, is, is going to be less, and then an independent physician is going to be even less. Uh, if you're a business owner and you're self-insured, you know all about this because you see that the different rates um, uh, that you're paying for these types of visits. Yeah, and and can you talk about business owners? Because it it feels like there's been a change in business ownership where you used to be, as a business owner, able to just go in and get insurance for yourself or you and your husband through your company or whatever it is if you you were self-employed. And and I think the rules have changed. I'm not sure state by state, but a lot of people have a lot of insurance questions. Um, we just got this one for you to answer, so enjoy. <laughs> um, hmm. What ha- what happened to you know not having three to having two people not you know having to have three people before you can get you know entrepreneur or self employed type health insurance? And the second part of their question is why is the rate why are the rates as high as a house payment? In some okay, cases. so <laughs> I, I, I'll I I'll explain both, but I'm going to ask a follow-up question to the person who asked that question. I'm going to ask, answer a question with a question. Where okay. is that person from? And that really makes a big difference. Oh, okay. okay. I don't know if I'm going to get I'll – t- I'll type that back or if yeah. you're listening, just answer. And, and I'll explain why that makes a big difference, and, and it's important to understand. That person is from one of the, you know, the eastern, northeastern uh, area versus the west coast. Uh, you know, the amount of different providers uh, is is uh, pretty high, right? If you're in a, a less urban area um, and the amount, then the amount of providers uh, goes down and is much lower. And so the the capac- the availability of of physician groups or physicians to be able to provide the services it goes down. Um, if the less urban that you are. And that allows those physicians and physician groups to h- charge a higher rate. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in turn, the consolidation of the healthcare industry has led to higher reimbursement rates and higher costs. And so, 
business owners are finding it harder and harder to be able to get self-insured plans. You know, the, yeah. the, the exchanges was supposed to fix this, but the, you know, counter regulations around it broke the exchanges even before they were able to get going. That's one piece of it. The other they said they're from Minnesota, is, just so you know. Okay, wow. <laughs> get in Minnesota, right in the Minnesota, middle of everything. Yeah. In the middle of everything, and that's a really tough market, right? United Healthcare is in that market, and unless you are a provider of uh, uh, connected to the hospital in Minneapolis, you're you're really not going to get a rate, and you're not even going to get covered by United Healthcare there. So you know they control the market very strongly in that area. It's not. It's um, it's almost legal monopoly in some ways, mm-hmm. uh, and so the the so let's talk about the rates. You're getting an explanation of benefits. You see a huge number, and then that's charged by the physician group or the hospital or the doctor, and then a much lower number that's charged that's paid to the hospital or physician group. Well, the that what's called the contracted rate versus the, the cash rate or the, the charge master. Mm-hmm. The charge master is in many ways much higher because you want to be able to capture the largest amount of money from every payer. You have to charge the same amount to every insurance company, no matter what you're contracted to get reimbursed. And so, um, in many cases, it's much, much higher than what you're going to get reimbursed. Yeah, and this person is talking about just is, their premiums, their premium, like the premium quotes that they pay okay. monthly um, are, the, are the price of a, of a house payment, just yeah, astronomical so for premium. their family, through Obamacare, uh, or whatever you call it. Because, because in that a market in Minneapolis or in Minnesota, there's less, mm-hmm. less, much, much less competition. Interesting. That, that really boils it down. All right. I hope that was I hope that was helpful to our caller. If you have other questions, please just type them in the chat or or tweet me at Best Ever You, or you can call in um, at six four six seven eight seven eight five three seven. We have more questions for you, but um, what do you? The average person listening, what do you think they need to know about healthcare to help them be their best in the in these markets? Understand uh, who you're going to see, uh, who your doctor is, right? A uh, primary care doctor is much better than getting your primary care from an urgent care. A, a board-certified primary care physician is much better than a non-board-certified primary care provider or clinician. That's first. Second is know your rights as it relates to cost. Know in your state do they have uh, a surprise billing law where they have to tell you how much they're going to charge you before you you go in for an operation or a surgery. And then also know the difference between different groups, right? If you're going to a larger group, then the cost that you're going to pay is if you've got a high deductible plan, meaning you're paying most of the fee, uh, is going to be higher than um, if you're going to an independent physician or an urgent care. Uh, so some, but take control oh, of your information and take control of your data. 
So somebody just typed in, I'm bankrupt from healthcare costs. Oh, sorry. I feel horrible. I, that makes me, that, that makes me very sad. Yeah. I'm sorry. What can, yeah, I am too. What can you do about that? I know my, when my dad got sick, it was really tricky trying to work, take care of him and, and everything for my mom. They, uh, they had to move out of a house and things like that. But this is, this is not my family typing in. This is somebody else. So it clearly happens to other people. What, uh, talk about can you talk about that what do you what do you do if your health care is going to bankrupt you if you get a bill you can't afford or those types of things those are tough questions first thing that you should do is go back onto the organization that you got the bill from and see if they have any um have any uh, uh way of of negotiating with you around the charge hmm. uh second thing is that they may have a grant for uh somebody who's low or mid income levels, depending on your income level. Uh, And then third is negotiating a a payment plan that would be significantly less. Outside of that, there are organizations that will take on your debt and you have a a lower cost to pay it back. Um, And organizations that I've heard of, I haven't necessarily dealt with them, who who would be willing to give you a grant to pay off that bill um, because of your low or if you had a low income status. Yeah. What if you just have regular income, you know, middle class to high class, and it's just still a doozy of a bill? Negotiate. Don't take the first fee as the price. Then mm. show you why it costs as much as it's costing you. Take control. Do you think we should you have to do that? can negotiate with hospitals. What? Do you think we should have to negotiate with hospitals? Like, let's say you were really, you know, really super ill and came home from that. You've survived whatever you survived, and now you're negotiating with a hospital. Do you think that, that that's huge, what? No, I, I think it's backwards. And I would say other words about it if I weren't on a, <laughs> yeah. on a live show, show right yeah. now. I, I, would I don't have, have a bleep button either, so keep it clean. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to keep it clean. I think it's backwards. I think that healthcare has been backwards for far too long. We need to have upfront price transparency. We walk into a supermarket and know how much things cost. We walk into a restaurant uh, or a uh, movie theater or um, buy a ticket on an airplane, and we know how much things cost uh, before we engage. In healthcare, we don't. Yes, there will be times where it's an emergency, and you need to get emergency care, and you should be able to negotiate around that care. But most times you are being proactive about your care and getting a huge bill at the end of the day. And now this so, is, oh, go yeah, Sorry. go ahead. No, go ahead. It's your, it's your show, your interview. No, so I, I think that we need, to, we need to push on price transparency. I think yeah. that we need open and honest prices, and at the end of the day, as more and more uh, we get these open and transparent prices, we will start seeing prices going down. Uh, yeah. Because I, if you look at the difference between an independent physician doing the same service as a hospital physician, right, in, in a similar setting, the hospital is getting maybe 10 times what the independent physician is getting. Yeah. I, what, what I'm thinking as you're talking is, you know, just from having babies and, 
my husband having hips replaced and things like that, I'm thinking of the cost every time they crack open a new ice pack for you. It's the most expensive ice pack. You'll, you almost want to like dip it in gold and bring it home. You know, it's, it's just crazy. The cost of things too. You're talking about services and I, I keep thinking of things that cost, you know, $4 in a grocery store, but they're 60 because I don't know why. And so you're, right. you're nervous to request a blanket or a, I, I'm being sarcastic a little bit here, but, you know, a Band-Aid shouldn't be $15. Again, <laughs> a, a yeah. hint of sarcasm. Is, is that what you mean also, some of those costs? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Those Every cost that you're incurring when you go into the hospital for any type of visit should be upfront. And, and, and reasonable know. maybe? Is there uh, upfront and? Oh. Like, is there and involved? Uh, I, I mean, let's just get upfront first. And then, then the let's then that let's <laughs> do the end. Okay, because I if I if I, I go in, I feel will... like packing a bag. You know, I've got my own ice pack. Thanks. You know. <laughs> right. Look, the, the travel industry. When somebody, when JetBlue came around, okay, yeah. in the travel industry, and and tickets were much cheaper on JetBlue than on every other uh, airline. Uh, the other airlines had to, you know, show why it was better for them for you to fly with them. The same will happen in healthcare, and prices will go down. It will be inevitable. All right. So you've let's let me ask you this. Yeah, I was I was going to ask about countries. Um, where in your again, this is an, sort of an opinion show here and there because everything always seems to have some debate or some political spin or something where I'm just like, oh, whatever. Um, but in your opinion, what countries um, have some of the best health care systems or models and um, and why? Okay, so I'm not an international expert. Okay. Uh, um, so I, I don't feel necessarily comfortable saying, uh, giving oh, okay. an answer on, on systems outside of the United States. What I will say is that I believe in the healthcare system as a provider of care in the United States more than outside of the United States. But that's a personal opinion. I don't know. I'm not uh, an expert or have as much knowledge about international healthcare. I mean, I'm thinking of every time I've been to the hospital, I have anaphylaxis, so I have life-threatening food allergies, and I am so grateful to the crew who respond so quickly to save my life. But, you know, just I'm I'm grateful for the health care that I, I've had in my life. I wish it didn't cost so much, um, but but I'm grateful for the, I mean, they've kept me alive quite a few times. So, and you know, and kids have had stitches or this or that. So I'm knocking on wood all over the place. But, um, and is that what you mean by that, the quality yeah. of care? Yeah. 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 The yeah. quality of care is, is much better and, in the United States, and I, in my opinion, again, I'm not an international expert to be able to give yeah. as much of an informed opinion. What What happens in a in a, yeah? No, it's fine, and and it's a it's a tall, that's a big question. Um, what happens? And this is going to I'm sorry if this is naive, but fill in my gaps here. I'm, I've been curious about this. We, we're in a pandemic. Um, what what is the pandemic exposed about healthcare? And if you are one of the people who has been unfortunate to to have to stay in the hospital with with COVID fighting for your life, and then you're you um you know you 
you get out of the hospital and you you're home back again are are people being presented with bills for that on top uh, no. of it it's okay. being covered by the government so we're all paying for it okay so if you're fighting for your life with covid you don't have a you don't arrive home safely and then get a bill correct but oh, at the same you. time there's been no deaths due to flu this year in the past year so everything has turned into covid what what has happened and what is exposed in in healthcare and and I think is is the, for me the biggest bigger message from an administrative side is that we spent the last ten years reducing the amount of hospital beds in this country while raising the cost of healthcare mm-hmm. and that in turn pushed us when we did have an emergency to not have enough beds right. uh, and hospital space. And was it the right answer based upon all the information that they had at the time? Yeah, maybe. Was it, uh, was it, did we uh, recover much faster and come out of this much faster than most people, including myself, thought we would? Yes, but the death toll was way high. too high. Yeah, I was, and, and, uh, no, you go ahead. I I think that in my personal view, I will not speak with anyone else. If you have been personally affected by COVID, whether yourself or your family member or your friend, if you've had a death in, uh, around you, you uh, take uh, what's going on much more serious than the people who haven't been as affected. Of course. Um, and and it's just the view that I've seen uh, and I feel. Uh, people who live in regions of the country where they don't necessarily need to be indoors all day because the climate is much better are less affected than people who are in the northern part of the country and, and you know, it's cold mm-hmm. yeah. and, and aren't able to do and, and uh, uh, interact with people all the time. And so the effects of that uh, are long-lasting. Will we have long-lasting effects of healthcare change from this? Like, will we always have more beds in case this happens or keeps happening or whatever? Is, is the way the place and space changing, our, our processes changing and so forth? Because that's it's concerning to you know, it's just it's concerning and sad and everything to have something like this happen and then not have the the ability to care for people. So uh, what I will say. And again, that's naive. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think it's naive. It's a concern. I think it's all it's a concern. Anyone who's a hospital or a healthcare administrator has been thinking about over the last year uh, and really mostly over the last four months as vaccinations have become much more prevalent in the United States. Right. I can't predict which way healthcare is going to go. I think that time will tell. Last night's presidential address in many ways was alarming to me. Uh, um, don't disagree that healthcare is a right for all. Uh, I am concerned about uh, um, the government once again getting involved. Uh, you know, we we allowed innovation and um, 
to drive the cure from private companies uh, funded with independent innovation to be able to get a vaccine for COVID. If the government say that again, it, say that one more time. I want yeah, to hear that we, again. We allowed private industry right. with grants to get us a vaccine right. as quickly as we did. If we had done the same thing with polio, we'd have the most, if we, we did the same thing with polio and we got a vaccine very quickly. If we had, if the government was running it, we would have had the most expensive iron lung ever. Right. Innovation and non-directed research, undirected research, is what will continue to save our country. Government oversight and overreach may hurt us. They need to be able to draw the chalk line of safety. They need to draw the chalk lines of, of, of keeping it uh, fair business practices. Yeah, like right. some regulation it's, to it. Right. But we need, we need to figure out ways to, in many ways, at least on the administrative side, reduce the amount of regulation to be able to spur on much more innovation and change. Got it. Uh, I want to talk about the healthcare workers, if you could shed some light on that too. And if not, that's okay. Just take a, take a pass on it. But you know, everybody's, I mean, I, I live in a neighborhood where my, we have one, two, four doctors in the neighborhood, two ER and two other, and then one dental surgeon. So it's, it's, they're tired. I know ne- my neighbor next door, tired, scary. It was scary when this first happened, um, you know, all this stuff. How tired are our doctors and um, what are we doing to bring up the, the next crew of, of doctors? In other words, the younger, doctors, you know, maybe younger people in school and all that stuff. Because everybody's in line right now. School's messed up. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, doctors were tired before COVID. Doctors yeah. were burnt out before COVID. In some ways, they um, some were excited about the rush of of being able to do something good and treating patients and and doing their best in other ways other people were even burned out worse than they were um and so uh um i'm worried about the long-term effects of it we need to start doing things that will incentivize younger people to go into primary care and if it's giving them free tuition in medical school to have them spend time working in primary care after they are done, then let's do that. Well, if that happens, but let I'm me not know. A doctor, be- so I, I will be clear. I'm not a doctor. I'm no, an administrator. Okay. Yeah. And from my point of view, as an administrative point of view, I am concerned. Yeah. Well, but it's an I important point of view. The, I need to lean on the, the physicians who I work for and work with to help me to understand what the best tools are for them to feel better uh, about the things that they're doing. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, I've, we we have four 
uh, sons, they're ages 20 to 26, and two of them are on the fence. The two younger ones are on the fence about becoming doctors. One's a meteorologist, um, and the other already ha- you know has a job and all that good stuff. Um, but if send me an email if we go that route of of incentives for medical school and things like that. I'm sure they'll hear about it anyway um, because they're just like, wow. UCLA is, is doing it. I'll let, I'll let yeah. Quaid know that because, uh, yeah, no, that's good to know. Um, do you – what about the, the mental trauma part of it too? Because that, this couldn't have been easy on people. People are people. I don't care if you're, you know, doctor, nurse, whomever, we're, we're all, you know, tough and smart and all that stuff. But, you know, that's, there's been a lot people have gone through witnessing what they've witnessed. Yeah. So I'll answer that with a refrain that I've been giving uh, friends of mine and, and in talking with, you know, lay leaders and, and lay leader in synagogues and other places. We know nothing about this virus. We know nothing about what the effects are going to be long-term. We know a fraction of what this, how this will affect us uh, next week. And that's most evident by the recommendations and the changes that are coming from the CDC all along. All, uh, all along. Yeah. They're trying to find, figure out ways for people to work and live with this uh, all around us and convince people to go out and get a vaccine that's been created faster than any other vaccine in the history of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, regulated vaccinations, right? Mm-hmm. So, and so, you know, it's, it's no surprise to me that there is vaccine hesitancy, and there's a lot of rumors, and they are up against the Internet and social media, which is – the um, the devil to the you know scientific community, and so things change, and the risk isn't necessarily to me, but it's the risk to the people around me, and personal responsibility only goes so far if you don't have uh, um, community responsibility as a core value as well, and so you know I've seen you know, all these memes on the right and the left and all around about about positions they've taken throughout the the virus and throughout the pandemic. We need to understand that the science is changing because we're learning more, but we don't know a lot yet. And what we don't know a lot most about is what the long-term mental effects are going to be to the individuals who worked in the systems, the the parents who are bringing up kids and and uh, dealing with financial strain and financial loss, to the business owners who can't get their employees back because their employees are making more on unemployment than they are um, than they would if they came back to work. Um, and most importantly, to the children who are dealing with this, um, and um, we, you know, we have no idea what the long-term mental effects are. Um, yeah, but I've... we also don't know what the what we're when we're going to have to have a booster, or when the vaccine wears off, or any of that stuff. That's we what need concerns to take it one me. Day at a time and not reflect on the future as much. 
Yeah, I feel like I lose a little sleep over that one. It's like, wait a minute, uh, you got to have a booster in how long? We don't know yet. Oh, no. And um, yeah, and I, I so agree with you on all the children, too. Just in our own household, the resilience shown. I'm very proud of our kids. We've had college baseball seasons, lost um, graduations, moments that you can't quite get back in a way. Um just incredible workarounds, um, especially when, you know, we went and got everybody from college back March, last March. Um, and just, you know, it's like a, a huge shift. Everything's online and ev- it just, just, they've really dealt with a lot. And, um, and that's just our, that's just our family and multiply that out by millions of people. And um, there's, there's just a lot of, it's just strange, isn't it? It's just Yeah. Different. Look, a, a, a common refrain amongst my friends, and I have a lot of friends who are doctors, mm-hmm. is you know just just remember when when you're in your 80s um, and need you know really good health care, the doctors who are going to be taking care of you finished med school and or they're online during the pandemic. Yeah, finished med school online. Yeah, I know. I've got I've got scientists who are doing you know it's it's a really interesting world when you're trying to do a lab online in organic chemistry or whatever it is, you know, um, it's, it's definitely a different learning environment for sure. Although they're, they're back a little bit in person. Now they're, I've got one at RIT and one at New Haven um, in, in college and another in uh, grad school at Mississippi state, but that's from our basement online for meteorology. So it's a very different learning environment. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So to, to wind up um, let's talk, Let's keep, if you don't mind, um, I, I think this is really helpful to keep talking about people because there's things here where people are affected and we're the best ever you show and the best ever you network and we care a lot about people. And this, this is sort of a, a shout out to all the people who have lost jobs. Um, and, and you're saying that one or perhaps one in three jobs will be in healthcare moving forward and yet 40 or so million people have lost their jobs and their jobs were connected to their health care. So there's a lot going on with, with those statements. <laughs> do you want to, do you want to talk about just people and um, jobs and well-being and all that good stuff? Just keep going talking about that. Oh gosh. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, I like I your insight. So I, I appreciate your insight. Yeah. I, I hope you know that. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I, look, this is uh, probably the most uh, disruptive event that has happened in the United States since the Great Depression. Uh, um, and it's different than any other thing that's happened, right? It's it's kind of like every other downturn that we've had, uh, but different in many ways mm-hmm. because corporations in many respects have been able to continue on working. And, um, you know, whether it's white collar or blue collar, uh, industry that's been most affected has been the service industry and the travel industry, the way that people decompress. And we're not used to that. We're not used to being at home more and building up around us at home in many parts of the country. We're used to being connected and going out and going to restaurants and having entertainment outside of our home, not necessarily in our home. So 
it's affected a lot of people who provide that entertainment and those outlets and the things that people were used to doing on a day-in, day-out basis. And so some people were able to get over it and move into a temporary holding pattern. Some people couldn't and, and needed that outlet, needed to be able to go sit at a bar or go on vacation or go to a movie, right? Mm-hmm. That was their outlet. That was their thing to decompress. Other people found other things. I think that um, we should take the opportunity to get closer to our families, whoever they are. Uh, And family doesn't necessarily have to be the people who are blood-related to you. They could be your friends and the community that you make around you. Don't isolate yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Because isolating yourself is the worst thing figure out how to create that community around you. Um, And I see this more to the men in the crowd. Don't be afraid to share. Because Mm, you're not alone. Everybody's going through this. And, um, you know, as a man, we have have the propensity not to share in many ways. And so it's okay to share. Find somebody to talk to. Find your people. Yeah. That, you know, it makes me happy about you saying that and happy that we own the, you know, we have this Best Ever You network because you know what our audience is? It's half male. We're always friends. That makes me so happy. Um, everybody always asks that, oh, it's all women. I'm like, oh, no, it's half, it's 50-50 equal for years now. And um, guys need just as much help with everything. <laughs> so I'm glad you said that. Thank you for that. Um, all right, so we're going to wind up with one more question. This is, um, we always ask, this is not related to healthcare. Maybe it is for you. And I want to remind everybody about your book. It's called The Mega Factory of Healthcare. It's available wherever books are sold. And, it's available um, on Amazon. I'm just going to correct you. At Amazon oh, right now. Uh, well, people can go into any bookstore, though, with your ISBN number and order a copy. So you yes, can they get. Can. Yeah, they can, you know, independent bookstores and all that good stuff. Um, but, yes, Amazon is the is a driving force of where books are. So, yeah, available on Amazon. I've got the link for Amazon right there. Um, we always ask all of our guests what their incredible yes moment is. So an incredible yes is where you said yes to something or someone and it changed your life. Do you have a moment or that you would like to share with us? We always ask that. Are you there? I've had, uh, yes, I'm thinking okay. about it. Oh, I've okay. had a number of them. I'm, if you, you can do more than one, about, I know, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've had a number of them. Uh, um, I think I am where I am because of a decision that I made 26 years ago mm-hmm. uh, um, and made the decision to go and spend a gap year in Israel. Uh, at this one um, um, seminary called uh, in, in, in Jerusalem. And uh, um, it was not the one that I thought I would go to, but it was the one I ended up at. And that decision 
pushed me in a direction to end up in New York. I would have ended up in Boston and stay close with the, the people who, um, who are lifelong friends now. Awesome. So, All right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Perfect. That was a hard All right. <laughs> yeah, we, oh, we asked that. You want the other one? Do we have a layup one? It's how do you how do you stay your incredible best? How do I say I'm incredible best? How do you stay or how oh, are you your incredible best? Self-improvement, cons- consistent self-improvement. Beautiful. I always All recognize right. the things that I can make better. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, it was really fun to um, fun and really actually um, a learning mode here, to, listening to you. Um, I really appreciate you being on our show, and I hope you'll come back again. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Look, we only touched on a, uh, uh, the the point of what we could have talked about in in this yeah. realm, and 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 it's a pretty big factory in healthcare. Uh, and it has a lot of interdependent parts, and, and happy to come back anytime. Beautiful. And if you have more questions for uh, Aton Walls, you can type them in below the show or leave a comment um, on the show, and we will make sure and forward questions. Or if you want to tweet me at Best Ever You, uh, we will forward questions, and we will have him back again on the Best Ever You show. All right. So thank you again, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Aton, for being here. Um, take care, everybody, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave, be bold, be you. And remember to visit us at besteveryou.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.